podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Boom, we're on. Today's guest, we've got the main man, Glenn Tamplin. How are you, brother? Yeah, I'm good, James. You? Yeah, amazing. First of all, thanks for introducing coming on the show and showing me your amazing gaff, man. It's unbelievable. So, a man, multi-millionaire, voted second most powerful man in Essex. Now you're on, owner of Romford Football Club, also manager. Great result last night. A man who's battled addictions. Died. Overdose, actually. Brought you back to life. So, a very interesting life, brother. But let's go right back to the start, where you grew up and how it all began. Yeah, okay. Um, well, listen, thank you for having me. I'm humbled that you got me yeah. on your show. I know you're uh, one of the biggest out there, and, and thank, you. thank you for picking me. It means yeah. a lot. Um, so, yeah, childhood wasn't good for me. Um, when I look back, and that's why I always say it's not how you start, it's how you end, um, because my start wasn't good. Uh, my father was in jail um, from when I was two years old. Didn't know him. Um, I lived on a cancer estate in the block of flats. Uh, we didn't even, my mum would do the washing in the bath. She couldn't afford a washing machine. We had nothing. Um, from eight years old to 12 years old on the cancer estate, I would get beaten up every day by four brothers on the estate. I was bullied literally 365 days a year for four years. Um, had that up 1,500 days on the trots, quite a lot of bullying. Yeah. Um, Never had a father. I had a stepfather. Bless him, done his best, but he was a very timid guy, so he couldn't deal with his brothers or their father. There was nothing I could do. My parents would be disappointed in me because I wouldn't fight back because I was too scared. Um, so I felt like a failure from very young. Mm -hmm. uh, got to about 12 and a half, 13 years old, just before my 13th, and um, I was playing cricket, and I see the brothers walking over to me. I didn't really have any friends. I was the uh, I was just the one I was the one that was bullied and didn't fit in, um, and I see him walking over to me, and uh, one of them picked took the cricket bat off me and went to hit me, and I just flipped, and I picked a stump up and I stabbed him with a stump, many times. I just lost. It was four years come out in one go, um, but the message with that was, I was a success from that day, because everyone on the estate feared me. All the brothers left me alone. My mum was proud of me. Um, and all of a sudden, um, I could walk with my head held high and my chest out. So from that day, the mask went on. That day it went on. Mm -hmm. um, within a month of me being a tough guy, pretending to be a tough guy, and I couldn't fight, all I would do was use a weapon. Um, I got told my father wasn't my father. So when you brought up from zero to 13, I can only remember back to, as I say, two, three or four, I can't remember if I back, but although my dad was a very timid guy, he took me football, he loved me, he was, a, he was an amazing father to the best of his abilities, and I was blessed to have him. And I thought he was Superman. I never understood why he didn't go around the house and beat this, these kids' dad up, I never understood it, but... Now I realise he was a timid guy, he wasn't that guy. But to me, he was Superman. Now, the man I love with every part of me tells me, him and my mum sits down and tells me, he's not my dad. And it broke me. It absolutely broke me. Mm -hmm. Because I was a tough guy then, I didn't shed a tear. I 
think my words were, I don't give a fuck. And walked out, went on the streets. And that's when I tried to grow my name on the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I went to meet my real dad about two weeks after, and it had turned out that my real dad was coming out of prison. So my mum was going to get back with my real dad. That's why she was leaving my stepdad. That's why it all got brought to me when it had been covered up, because my name had been changed. My real name was Thomas. My father in prison was called Thomas, but I'd been changed to Templin, so I had the surname of my stepfather. Why would I believe anything else? Then um, I was playing for Orient at the time. It got released by Orient. So, sorry, let's go back. So I went to meet, meet my father. Within two weeks, he didn't want anything to do with me. So that was a failure. And then he didn't want to be with my mum. So my stepdad gave my mum another chance, and they moved out to Southend. Um, which was miles away from all my friends, that all the streets where I thought was my friends. <coughs> Excuse me, all I had was football, actually, really then, by then. It was the only thing I was okay at. Yeah. And um, basically, within another two weeks, a Patsy Holland who run it said to me, we're releasing you. And I was like, but my dad told me you're the best, I'm the best player. He said, your dad's a liar. Didn't have anywhere to go with that one, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the lesson. That's why I've always been honest with my son, brutally honest. Yeah. Never lied to him. Um, so, childhood, I'll get up to 13 because I've gone quite a long way, was fucking shit. And I was taught that wearing a mask and being someone you wasn't was the way to be successful. That's, that was my upbringing to th- about 13. Mm-hmm. So when did things, when did you start getting involved in addiction? Because there's a massive percentage, I think it's over 70% for childhood trauma to addiction having the same effect which is kind of linked so obviously going through the bullying the abandonment issues with your father no matter how much we block that shit out and suppress those feelings eventually it will come to the surface Uh, for me personally it's when you are struggling the best thing to do is hide on drunk drugs like you say the mask for me it was the laughing man I made everybody laugh I would fit every if somebody wanted me to do something stupid, daft ass will do it because you accept me for that. But I was getting accepted from the wrong people, getting love from the wrong people where it's a slippery slope, as you can see yourself. When did you, because I know you were with West Ham as well and you started getting released. Was that because you never believed in yourself or because you had that mentality where you had to have the mask on all the time where as if you never really gave a fuck? No, um, I actually had the mask on and pretend I didn't give a fuck because it was the only way I felt powerful. It was the only way I felt worthy. It was the only way I felt that life was worth living. Mm-hmm. As in answer to the addiction, now understanding addiction because of what I've been through, the counseling I've had and, and meeting many people like you have been through it and talking and having conversations with people, which is something I really couldn't do along for a long time, is I realized the addiction actually started when I was 11, when I was good at football. Because I would go football Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, two, two teams on a Saturday, two teams on a Sunday, and four games a weekend. Mm. So my addiction started when I, when I was getting bullying because the only thing I was good at and people liked me at was, was football before, before the violence. It was football. So my addiction started when I was getting bullied. Um, I wasn't getting the love I needed. And football was the only thing that I was good at and excelled at. So I was addicted to football from nine, ten years old because it was the only thing that made me feel worthy. Yeah. So when did you start coming away from football? What age? No, I played football all, I played football all my life. I didn't mm-hmm. give up football until I was 28. Mm-hmm. But what happened is I got released by Orient. That broke me, because Orient was a realistic level then. 
I think then that was what was what was Division Two, but then it was then it was Division One, Division Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and in them days, you had uh, YTS schemes, mm-hmm. um, and Orient had almost guaranteed me a YTS scheme where, where West Ham would, what uh, hadn't. So while I was still at West Ham at the time. I knew my time at West Ham. Which I knew I was a pawn at West Ham because we're football clubs and academies. That's what these over eager parents don't realise. If your son's only playing for his age group week in, week out, and he's only getting half a game or three quarters of a game, and he's not playing two years up, he's just a pawn because they need 11 players to make a team. Mm-hmm. And they're only looking at two or three players. Well, I was a pawn, but my dad couldn't see it. But yeah. after what Patsy Holland had told me at Orient, I realised I wasn't good enough. That broke me. Yeah. So I knew within a year I'd be gone at West Ham because I didn't believe in myself yeah. anyway. Mm-hmm. So um, for me, um, Football was something I fixed on. Football was when I put my mask on um, and I wore it for a very long time, probably up until I stopped playing it because even when I played uh, non-league, so from 17 I went into non-league, but I would be aggressive on the pitch because I had a a name. Yeah. But really, although in them game, in them days, it was elbow as you you head the ball and if you tackle with your left foot, you you go through the knee with your right foot, it was a different game. So I was an aggressive player mm-hmm. and that's what I've done I had no talent yeah. but in them days that's what they wanted yeah so I played right up until 28 29 done the um, done, a, done a double at uh, Barking side won the cup at Barking um, was at Romford for a couple of years it was then called Collier Row um, so no, I've been in football pretty much most of my whole life. life yeah were you drinking or anything going through those years no I mean I was drinking from 18 but what's really weird is my drink was in control I would drink, stop when I wanted to go to bed. So it's funny, I, I, I was in and out of addiction, mm-hmm. but I was still fixing on football, even though I'd go out drinking. So my, my addiction with drugs didn't start till I reached all my goals and I got bored, which mm-hmm. we'll get to yeah, later yeah. on. But no, I would go out for 10 years, I'd go out and drink normally, because I didn't touch cocaine until I was 32, 31, mm-hmm. 32. Um, so for me, Drink wasn't a problem. So addiction, I didn't even understand addiction. Mm-hmm. So It's crazy, isn't it, though, that people think it's you're addicted straight away. It's, it's just certain traumas. I, I know the strongest men, it's became the weakest, and also the weakest, it's became the strongest. Certain circumstances, you can push you over the edge. So when you started football, when did you start becoming successful then in business? Were you working on that from a young age, or was that come later in, later in life? Yeah, there's my second addiction. I, would, I fell in love, I'm not going to say names, I fell in love with who I believe was the woman of my dreams at the time. Um, I realised now it wasn't, but at the time, it was my first real love. Mm. We'd been together a couple of years and we'd booked a wedding. This was, I was about 23, 24. Booked a wedding, all, all booked, all paid, sorry, all booked, all paid. A few days before my wedding, Caught me in bed with another man. Fucking hell. And it just fucking broke me, shattered me. I actually remember crying for over six months every day of the week. Mm. And the truth is I would have took her back. She didn't want me. Love stronger. Yeah. And what it was is it was her it was her boss at work. And when I look back, not that there's anything wrong with that, I don't judge anyone. We're all from from the royal family. To, to, to the crackhead, we're, yeah. all, we're all equals, we're human beings. Yeah, definitely. Um, but the person she went with could own, was her sales manager. And 
it broke me because she denied being with him and all that, and I knew she was with him, and and I, and, I, and, I, and I'd been watching, and um, I made a constructive decision in my brain, and it probably wasn't the truth, but in my head, she'd left me for money because he was uh, he was a manager. Mm -hmm. The truth actually is, I was insecure. I, I wasn't right around her family. I was jealous about her relationship with her mum, her dad and her brother. And the truth is I drove her away. That's the truth I can accept today. Mm -hmm. And I drove away the woman that I loved. So I don't blame her to this day and she'd done the right thing. Um, but in my head, it was because the bloke had money because I couldn't face the truth about me. So I pressed the fuck it button then for the real first time. Well, the first time I guess was when I stabbed the kid, but the second yeah. time I pressed the fuck it button and I said, I'm putting all my eggs in one basket and no woman is going to hurt me again. My mum's hurt me. Now my wife-to-be's hurt me. My dad's hurt me. Anyone at football's hurt me. I can't trust anyone. My destiny's coming in my hands. This time I glued the mask on. And at any expense, I was going to be financially successful and no woman was going to ever leave me again for money. Mm -hmm. And she didn't, but in my head she did. Yeah, so the insecurities. But again, going back to your past, that trauma, that pain, that must... Because for you to love someone, including myself, every one of my relationships break down. Why? It's because I'm insecure. I'm still vulnerable. I'm scared. As soon as I get serious with someone, I end that two or three months down the line mm -hmm. because I'm so scared that they'll fucking hurt me. I'm still fragile. People say you're doing well, you're doing this. I don't fucking see it. I don't feel it. I know what I'm doing is right and I'm, doing, I'm channeling all my energy into the same thing. But relationships, for me, that scares me what you say is to... Give someone everything, drop the mask. Because I can talk all this pish, but try to put it into practice as well, which is difficult. Because I still don't trust anyone. And that is something that I'm deeply... Because I've fucked everyone over for years. Mm. So it's difficult because I know what I'm like. Even you sitting here, even me doing this, I've still got an agenda and everything. I'm still self-seeking. Do you know what I mean? I'm still a selfish bastard. Yeah. And, it's, and, and people will understand it, but for me, relationships, that is everything right now. I'm still trying to work on me is to love myself because I believe you can't love anyone else unless you love yourself. And people always look for the final piece of the puzzle where it's maybe in a relationship, but it's not because if you're in a fucking country place and you're looking for that end of the, the, that final link, it ain't going to work because two or three months down the line, that mask slips and you become that possessive looking through phones, jealous, falling out when they go to the shops because in your mind they're, they're fucking away cheating. That's, that, that's, hmm. a, that's where... That's a disease as well. That is where your disease kicks in, that mental habit. So how did that... So for you, that was for you to switch and go, fuck it, I'm going to show her, I'm going to show him that I'm not a failure. But that was all in your mind anyway. Everything you've created has created more patterns in your mind. But it's worked for you. Because if it didn't, it could have pushed you. You've, you've been over the edge. And I believe we'll, we'll always go over the edge in life so many fucking times. But you're back now. So for you, was that the catalyst that pushed you over the edge to keep creating more havoc when you glued the mask on to, as you didn't want to feel any more hurt? Yes, because my drug addiction started because I borrowed £50,000, and it was a lot of money then, and I borrowed it off of a friend's father. Mm -hmm. I turned it into about 40, 50 million over 17, 18 years. But I was working 15, 16 hours a day, seven days a week. So I had no time to 
have a life or be normal or have a conversation. I was just work, work, work. I was a bully. If you didn't do it my way, if you sold 100, I wanted 110. If you sold 110, I wanted 120. Yeah. Sold 1,000, I wanted 2,000. Never satisfied in anything I've done in business. Mm-hmm. And I burnt out. And I literally was asleep on my table and someone offered me, look, try this. And I'd been around, I'd seen people on coke, and, but I'd never seen an addict. And I tried it and it woke me up. So it, I was so addicted to earning money. The sensible thing right there and then would have been, no, listen, I'm going to do less days, get more people in. But because I, I, again, the mistrust, I can't ever want to control my business. They'll, they'll fucking feed it off me. They'll be mm-hmm. feeding money. I never, I'm the boss. I'm in control. I'm the yeah. big man. Mm-hmm. I'm king of the castle. When really I was absolutely fucking putty yeah. and mush inside. Um, so I ended up in a mental institution for three months. Um, and my drug use was to stay awake at work, stay awake at work. And then it just developed to being a drug addict, isolating. And then, listen, the first two years, then I would take it when I went out clubs, partying, and I partied like P. Diddy. I, I mean, I had yeah. the best tables and the Cristal, and, mm-hmm. and we had it, we had it large. Yeah. And I'm smiling because I enjoyed that. I <laughs> That's the first I've seen that. you smile. I, don't know. <laughs> I fucking loved it. <laughs> See um, me, fucker. <laughs> it's it turned this fucking trip into yeah. a boomerang and come mm-hmm. and cut me, cut me off. Yeah. Um, but as soon as I started, but I knew. Uh, do you know what? This is the crazy thing. I knew what was coming, but there's no one around strong enough to tell me what was coming. And all I knew it was coming is a story here where this proves I didn't understand addiction. I had a gardener that worked here. Paul Cox, bless his, bless his soul. Although I've, although he's, he's, I've never been told he's a Harlequin spirit around me by some, some mediums and stuff. Yeah. Anyway, he's, his wife at the time, Tracy, um, come to me and she said, look, Paul's got, an, he, he, I'd given him a job in the, in the yard as well and in the garden. And he used to drink, he was an alcoholic and a, and a cocaine addict. She said, I've had enough. I can't do it no more. Me and his boy, we're going. I said, give me one chance to get him well. So it's always in my heart to help people. But he came in, I said, right. Fucking else, because I didn't understand it. See you, you silly fuck. A bit of white powder. I'll go out, do the white powder. I'll perform. I'll put it down and go to sleep. Why can't you do that? Because I didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. You're going to rehab. You're going for 60 days to Spain. You've got no choice, so I'm fucking sacking you. I'm getting you well. Do you understand? And I bullied him into going. But I was helping him and saving his marriage. He came back two days, hung himself. So I had that on my conscience, because I'd forced him. He left the note. He literally you know, basically said, um, I'm not happy sober, I'm not happy using. Mm-hmm. And I now understand, because the truth is, I never wanted to die, but I didn't know how to live. Mm-hmm. And I misunderstood addiction so bad then that I pushed someone into it because I didn't understand it. Now I know until you're rock bottom, until you've had enough, only you can. Yeah. Um, so for me, um, the, yeah, that's the, the problem with addiction. This is for anybody watching as well. Nobody is coming to save you. Not your mum, not your dad, not your brother, not your sister. Nobody is going to chap your door and say, let's go. You need to dig deep and do it for yourself. Because they say we have a chemical imbalance, you, me, where our neurons don't work the same. Our dopamine levels aren't the same. We get it through overworking, sex, drugs so if we take that dopamine kick line of charlie boom our brains up we feel alive that pain that we mask for years the bullying the hatred the fucking breakups the blaming yourself for, for blaming yourself for the suicide 
We can't handle that. Why? Because you're sensitive. I'm sensitive. What we do is when we're full of cocaine, we're in a nightclub, standing in fucking tables, got our cock out, pissing everywhere, having a laugh, no caring, not got a care in the world. But deep inside, when we go home and everybody thinks we're the Billy Big Balls, that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're in our bed, cutting shut, fucking crying, hating on the world. And we don't know why, because I believe, even alcohol, I believe, is a big drug. Even I believe that takes you back maybe two steps as well. I believe that's a depressant. I'm not just, I was never an alcoholic, but at the weekends, the drink led me to the Charlie, and then it was a weed, and then it was Valium, and then it was fucking hookers. It was just the whole, I had the whole, I had the whole list. But for these dopamine levels, it's important for people to understand that it's okay to feel sad. It's okay, but the natural chemicals is... We do a lot of cold water exposure as well. We go in the mountains and get into the cold waters, which has massive effect for dopamine. Um, walking in mountains, running, exercising, yoga. I've said this many a time. Scientists did a study on the brain. They rigged the brain up to a machine and gave it the marks out of 10 how much dopamine levels kick in. So they rigged the brain up from sex, alcohol, psychedelics, and meditation. Sex, um, alcohol was an 8 out of 10, how the brain reacted. Sex was a 9. Psychedelics was a 9.5, and the only thing it was a 10 was meditation and yoga, meditation and breathing exercises, wow. and that was the only thing that you could do within, and that was the only thing you never got a come down from. So all these feelings and connections that we can get, we can get it from the natural things in life, which is difficult for people to understand, but shut the fuck up, because if somebody was to tell me this shit five years ago, <laughs> I'd have told them to go fuck themselves. Do you know what I mean? Do you think also your overworking was to block out your pain? Your heartache, your misery. Yeah, my overworking was because I didn't know who I was. I, did, I, I wasn't comfortable with my own skin. And it gave when you're paying people, they agree with you. Because I'm so insecure, my wife could do nothing wrong. And I'd go, here, Steve. She looked at him like this, didn't she? He'd go, yeah. Because he would people please me. So for me, the power it brought to me and what it gave me was huge, it gave me control, it gave me power. So the more power I got from buying power, the more I wanted more power, because even that didn't, didn't, wasn't enough. So yeah, the answer to your question, 100%, it was, um, that was what drove me, yeah. What was the, your darkest moment then? So, I you, so, so I'll, my darkest moment was when, so my first four children, Carly, was with a woman called Carly, I was with her for 12 years. My darkest moment was when she left me and took the kids. And I lived in this great big mansion on my own. And by then, when I used, see, it makes me laugh because people on social media go, oh, he's just had a line and done that dance. No, no, no. If I do a line, I'm on my hands and knees, hiding behind the city and looking out of cracks in windows, looking behind curtains and, and, and looking for the key out. I'm not dancing, I can believe me. So it makes me, it makes me laugh when people say that. So for me, I would have been better off in a squat or a one bedroom flat. Because when you're in a mansion with 30 rooms and you're using on your own and it's full of demonic yeah. spirits and it's full of noises everywhere you go and, and the devil's running you around ragged. And mm -hmm. I used to get blisters on my feet because I'd walk to the left wing, to the right wing, to the east wing, to the, to the west wing, running around. I would spend 10 hours trying to find <laughs> who was in my house. <laughs> That's all I would do. That was my using. Yeah. And by the time I called, a, a woman of the night, by the time she got there, she was old, and I kick her out before she even got in the house. Because mm -hmm. the paranoia was so bad. Yeah. Um, so for me, um, people don't understand where this stuff takes you. So my darkest point was when 
My, my missus left me. She took my four kids. Because one thing I promised myself is, see that cunt of a father I had? I won't be that man. I'm going to be the best father in the world. Now, all of a sudden, I failed as a father. Because mm -hmm. my father didn't abuse me. I was better off not knowing him because he didn't abuse me with, with substance. Mm -hmm. I didn't see him coming in out of his nut and half dead or using prop medical and see him doing a line of gear. My poor boy, Archie and Gracie, went through that. Mm -hmm. And they're still damaged now from that. Um, and for me, I lost everyone I loved and everyone I cared about, and they went. And here's the problem. She said to me, get well, and I'll move back in. My head said, fuck you, you've given up on me, I'm going forward, not backwards. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't look back at what I'd done, I could only move forward. Within two weeks, I met another woman, which was disgusting, after 10 years with her, but I could only go forward. I couldn't look back, the pain was too much. Mm -hmm. So I was using on my own in the house without my children. I couldn't get my children back till I, till I got a little bit of clean time. I was with a woman that I didn't want to be with. I was isolating and using, and that's when a day become three days, three days become five days, five days. I, I once in the end used for 29 days and nights, cocaine only, dry sniffing. No sleep, no food. I end up calling an ambulance. My blood pressure was 299 over 199. People have said it's impossible. The ambulance drivers couldn't move because they didn't know what to do with me. Mm -hmm. And then it dropped to 80 over 40, and I went over. Um, they were definitely the darkest days. Alone, lost everything you love, but can't fight to get it back and want to die, but haven't got the bollocks to take your life. Mm -hmm. That was my low point. So how was your business then? Came through all that, did that go down the pan or? No, well this is, this is the amazing thing really about how clever us addicts are. And this is where we underestimate ourselves when we're in the darkness because we are very talented. But you don't realise that until you get in the brightness. Mm -hmm. um, I knew what was coming before I come in addicts. I knew when I was taking cocaine for half a day, during the day, and I was going home and I was fighting to go to bed because I had an important meeting. The first couple of months I won that fight. I didn't win it after that. But I knew, so I literally got someone who was my second in control, gave him shares in the company, said to him, I'm having some time off that because I'm, I'm struggling. He run my company for six years. And I got 70% of the income I was getting, but I would have lost everything. If I hadn't seen what was coming and put him in charge, this would be a whole different story. Mm -hmm. But I even knew what was coming and I still couldn't stop it. How crazy is that? Yeah, it's fucking nuts. Because your deed as well, yeah. you died. Yeah. Tell me about that experience. So, um, that is when I got well. Mm -hmm. There's two, there's once, there's, there's once I OD'd and once I died from a, from a, um, a, a well, it was a, it was a brain hemorrhage. But, so what happened was, um, about five years ago, um, my sponsor had moved in with me, he was trying to help me because I was really bad because no one knew anyone that took the amount that I took of cocaine and was still alive. My, my arteries were getting calcium my feet were going different colours. There was talk about having my hands and feet amputated, but I, I didn't give a fuck. I didn't care. Um, every time I took a line, I took a bigger line so it would blow my heart up and I'd die, but fucking never worked. Um, Do you think you were trying to kill yourself at certain points, taking more coke oh, in your I mind, hoping not to wake up? I tried many a time. Mm -hmm. because you don't fall asleep on coke because I didn't take because I didn't do a spliff because I didn't drink because I didn't take downers because every time someone took a sleeping tablet around me they died because their heart would go it's yeah, too it's quick got, to change yeah. 
So I, what, what, what was good with me, <laughs> I'm not teaching anyone to do this. I'm not recommending this. But what I done was, when I was so far gone and so out of it and I could feel my heart pounding out of my chest and I literally had cold sweats. Cold sweats become normal for me. Cold sweats and vomiting become normal for me. I, I would, I'd get all the, my left-hand side would freeze. I'd get everything, I'd go foggy and, and cloudy. Um, I couldn't use my left hand, I couldn't use my left foot. Um, my jaw would ache, my arteries would flare up, my heart would vibrate instead of beat. Mm-hmm. Um, probably had 20, 30 heart attacks, but then I'd try and blow it up. But the craziest thing for me was, was I'd never had the bollocks to take my life, but I would love to have taken a, a, a Coke, but you don't fall asleep on Coke. So I literally would have to pass out before I went to sleep. I couldn't, I couldn't sleep. So I once, it's not funny, but once <laughs> I blew, because I wanted to get some shit up my nose, yeah. I was, it was all blocked up. Mm-hmm. So I used to have the old, yeah. clearing it out. And sometimes I'd blow it and it'd feel like there's a brick up my nose. Yeah, blood and shit as well. But I'd get yeah. it out. Mm-hmm. So I'd get a knock cotton bud, I'd warm around the sides up, red hot kettle, warm around the sides up. And once I'd done it and this fucking, my whole septum fell out. But with it was a, was blood pumping like a tap. I was like, oh shit, how am I gonna get coke up there? It's my first thought. Mm-hmm. Five minutes later, I'm like this, like this, it's not stopping. I've had from my, from my, my, my MMA stuff and my crab and my I've had many a broken nose and blood. I never, I never pinched it like this, it's always stopped, it didn't stop. Um, so, I've ended up sitting in the caravan down the bottom, like that, letting my nose bleed because I wanted to bleed to death. And my wife walked in. She said, what are you doing? I said, dying. And there must have been two litres of blood on the floor. I've gone white. And she called an ambulance and I tried to run away because I didn't want to live. The ambulance got here. And it worked out I'd had a brain image because obviously it was always going to come. But it found its way out of my nose. So if I hadn't had that blockage, I would have died because it would have gone, it would have stuck Straight up the brain, yeah. Dead. The blockage this time saved my life, but I don't, I, I, I got it out because I wanted to sniff another line of gear. Mm-hmm. That's why I got it out. Mm-hmm. And um, it saved my life because the blood uh, found a way out. So that was, the, but then by the time they got here, I was passed out on the floor. They couldn't bring me round, but I was passed out, I wasn't dead. Yeah. Uh, and they reckon they lost me for about 30 seconds, but they'd done the, they got me back. That was nothing to do with God that way, it probably was, but it wasn't at the time. So that was once. The second time when I overdosed was in my house, I'd been on about a 20 day bender. And what I'd do is, which I'll refer back to earlier, I would ease myself down. So if I was doing, sounds terrible, but I was doing sometimes, and people are gonna think I'm lying. I'm not proud of what I've done. I would get, I would buy Coke in ounces. And I would do an ounce, ounce every three, four days. Mm. Now, when you count that over three, four weeks, and you've done yeah, four kilos, ounces on your yeah. own, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Forget the financial implications, the, the health implications. So my, what I would do is I would go, right, okay, I'm going to make this last. And I would literally put four days or five days down, going down slowly, but I would, but I would sniff aspirin with it to thin in my blood mm-hmm. or chew aspirin. Or two aspirin, and in the end, my dad had problems with his heart. I'd nick his spray, I'd spray my, spray my thing. My mum had problems with her arteries, so I'd nick her st- 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 uh, stand statin, I'd nick that. All these things I know have kept me alive. But I was self-medicating to keep alive, trying mm-hmm. to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, in the end, 
I had an angina attack, which I don't, I don't know how to word it properly, but it turned into a heart attack or the angina attack killed me, but whatever it was. And the, the cold sweats were so much that they couldn't get the ECG on me. And I'd run out of my spray. I was going, spray, spray, spray. They go, and the, the ambulance are going, you can't have spray until we get your heart readings. I, I wanted to say, but I couldn't. You silly fucks, I've been having spray for years. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't say it and they couldn't treat me because they couldn't get the ECG. Because yeah. every time the water was washing it off, mm -hmm. I died. They pronounced me dead. Um, and the next thing I see is, and this is on my seven children's life, this story. This was when I had, this, this was my rock bottom. And thank the Lord, his son came and saved me. I'm looking at my wife, she's cuddling and telling him, and, and I forgot what's going on. I'm going, what's the matter, babe? What's going on? Woo, crying and crying, like, like uncontrollably crying. Now I'm upstairs. Bliss, why are you ignoring me? Bless. And then behind me, it's almost like these camera lights. I can see, I can feel this light getting brighter behind me. I'm thinking, oh, I said, oh, Bill, please. Turn so around and there's Jesus, full on, in the form of an ultravescent light, but not bright. And there was so much space and so much peace and so much serenity. Don't take me, Lord, but I can't wait to go there. It was amazing. And I can only talk like this now at this level because I'm thinking about that. And he took my hand. He started, didn't drag me. It was, it was lovely. It was like, first time I felt real love. Although I did feel real love from Bliss and my kids. This was a different kind of love. This was a spiritual love. And he, and he started walking around thinking, what's going on here? Then all of a sudden we went out the door and, I, and it come to me, I remembered where I was. And I was like, I'm dead, fuck, I'm dead. I was going, no, Lord, please. I was begging him, begging him, begging him. Don't take me, don't take me, don't take me. You haven't given me all these kids to leave them fatherless. Please don't take me. He literally turned, looked at me and said, will you fulfill your purpose, son? In such an amazing voice. I promise you, Lord, I'll fulfill my purpose. I promise you, I'll do anything. Mm -hmm. Well, next minute, I know I'm back in my body, but the problem is now all the pain's back, all the suffering's back. Hatred, anger. All back. So, um, but that was the point I got well and stopped. But then it was so they booked, so I was back. So then when I went downstairs, Bliss come running downstairs, they got it, because that was the old death roll. The old breath come back in my lungs. I was, I was, I was, I was downstairs. Bliss come running down, and I said to Bliss, where's your teddy? All groggy. She was like, what, what do you mean? And the ambulance guy said, it's okay. They hallucinate when they die. Bliss went, no, no. And so I said, no, Bliss, she was teddy from Clinton's. He was cutting it crying upstairs. And then the Lord come and save me. And then Bliss went, how do you know that? And the other bloke who was there, there was, there was, there was about six ambulance people there, but there was a couple of women and four men. He said, he was a believer. He said, you've had a visitation and the Lord, he saved your life, son, because you was dead. You was dead. Mm -hmm. And um, so for me, I've met the Lord, so I know there is a higher power. Mm -hmm. And he saved my life. From that day when I had this tattoo, that's when I committed my so whole life um, to helping others. You don't have the anxiety anymore of death. I believe we all fear death in some sort of way. But if you've felt that, then you believe, I believe we're all going to higher power. I believe we're all energies. I believe that 
we don't remember what it's like before we die, so we ain't going to remember after it. I believe we've all got a purpose, and the majority of people I speak to, including yourself, you don't realise it, but you'll give people hope and inspiration that sometimes we're the pawns, we're the ones who get used to go to the dark places, because if we don't go to dark places, we ain't going to find the light, and then it comes a stage where we guide people out of the darkness from shedding our own light, and it's difficult. See, when you were going through the change, change is hard. People think it's fucking easy. If it was that easy, everybody would do it. You have to distance yourself from people. I had to leave people who I knew for 30 years. The hatred that comes with it, um, the loneliness. I'm more alone now. With every, I've got so much going on, but I still feel I need to stay in my path because I'm always there's always temptation there. So how did, when you were going through, right, enough's enough. I've seen the light. What was your moment going through that? How did you manage to build your life back? Because even changing all the people that I'd fucked over in the past, you start growing a conscience because the mask falls, that glue has come off your face, the mask has fallen, now you're vulnerable, and now you realise, I've fucked everyone over. And it's difficult because you can't live in the past. I believe in the power of now. There's an amazing book, if anybody's struggling, is the power of now. Yeah, it's, it's, about, yeah, it's about the present moment. Sorry. Yeah, mm. Present moment, and then just taking it day by day. If you think about the past, it brings fear, anxiety, and depression. Same as the future. We can concentrate on the finishing line too much, and that will also fucking drain us. So when you were going through your change to make these sacrifices, what kind of steps and tools did you use to get through it? Well, I'd say that there's a little bit what helped me was, so I had all the shame, guilt and remorse around my, what I'd done to my wife and my kids. Because what people don't do, they think, oh, he's disappeared, she don't know where he is. Because when you come back, you're checking her phone as if she's been cheating. Mm -hmm. When you get back, you're making sure she's not cheating because you know you're such an arsehole, she should be cheating. It, it would have made sense if she did cheat, and I wanted her to do something bad, so it made me feel better. So that side of things would used to kill me to think about that. But because I had a financial position, I was I was actually got I got fucked over by everybody. They were using me for money. They were charging me too much for drugs. Said go out and get me something. They get me stuff that wasn't going. So for me, I was more angry at other people for fucking me over, and all the people I thought were my friends, I realised weren't my friends. So as a part of it, it was easier for me because of my financial status, people have fucked me over. So I got rid of people that have fucked me over. That's easy to do. But when you're around people that have loved you and supported you and not used you in any way and stood by you, they're the ones that's so difficult to get through. So what I would do is, I wouldn't use any of the drug dealers that I'd used before because they'd fucked me over. I then, well, I'll be honest with you, what I've done is I employed a very strong guy to work with me and every time I had an urge, and almost handcuff yourself to me, but every time I had an urge, I would I, I agreed with him that I would talk to him about it. Like a sponsor? Like a sponsor. But my sponsor, I would run rings around before, because he was too nice. So I needed a gangster sponsor. So I had a gangster and a sponsor. Tough love. Tough love. Um, so I wouldn't have got through it, and I wouldn't have got clean about that, because many times my head had so much power when that obsessive thought came. With the greatest respect, I forget every every I forget the last five hundred times it's ended so badly. Mm -hmm. I forget the deaths. I forget the blood clots. I forget it all. Mm -hmm. It's all in the past. Yeah, it's, it's done. Past. Got to thank yeah. it. Yeah, forget. got to thank it. So I had help from someone that could mentally help me, and I had help from someone that could physically not mm -hmm. bully me, but not let me get my own way. So how's life now? Honestly, yeah, I'm still the most insecure person you'll ever meet. Mm -hmm. My beautiful wife. When she got out of the car earlier, I'm still looking at you too to see if you look at her. Mm -hmm. I'm still as insecure as I come. 
Um, I'll worry about, she's going out Thursday night for a meal. I'll worry about losing her because I love her so much. I'll worry about my children dying. I'll worry about people I care enough about dying. Although I quite look forward to death. Um, so I'm always going to be insecure. But what I am is honest about that now. Yeah, instead of bottling it up. Yeah, instead of bottling it up. So mm. where am I? I'm uncomfortable being comfortable. So when I'm comfortable, I go in the gym, I make myself uncomfortable. The reason at 48 years old, um, I'm, I'm quite strong and quite physically well, is because I have to go to the gym when I'm comfortable or when I'm bored. Because when I'm bored, I'm bloody dangerous. Yeah. And when I'm comfortable, I'm uncomfortable. So here's the truth for me. When I'm using, I'm sick. When I'm not using, I'm even more sick. But I can admit my faults today. I can talk about my faults today. And you've got people in jail that come out of jail that I'm getting on the street and they're living here. You've got four addicts living here. In, I've got a mansion here and I've got nine addicts and ex-jailbirds living all around the mansion on my lands, mm -hmm. helping me and I'm helping them. They've got me and I've got us. So I make myself so busy. So life is amazing. I've got an amazing relationship with my wife. I've got an amazing relationship with my friends. I've got an amazing relationship with myself because I'm honest with myself. But it's fucking tough. Fuck this money. Fuck the house. My brain is not right. I'm maladjusted. Mm -hmm. So life is fantastic, but it's a battle every minute of every day. Yeah. Last night, we beat, the underdogs beat, top of the league team who are unbeaten, five, point, five games in, five games um, behind everyone else, 10 points above everyone else. We're complete underdogs. And because I won, I wanted to go and celebrate. And my, my, my head said, it'd be good to celebrate doing cocaine. <laughs> the yeah, day before, yeah. I was arguing with my son, mm -hmm. and my head said, oh God, you're in a bad place. Don't use cocaine. So for me, highs or lows, I want to use cocaine. Medium, I'm not happy with, so I have to get high or low. Mm -hmm. So I'm battling every minute of every day. And yeah. so son scored last fantastic, night. but I'm winning. Your son, son scored, scored winner, last yeah. night, yeah. Yeah, it was fantastic. So that's the beauty of life, that yeah. the fact that you can see that shit, the mm -hmm. fact that you're in the moment. But this is a scary thing because we touched on it earlier. Tyson Fury, multi-millionaire, got all the belts, battling his demons. He's thinking, as soon as I achieve that, I'm going to feel not feel this pain anymore. But the demons are still there. Your boy scores last night, you come home, you're still back. The demons are fucking there. But the beauty of life, and I always say it, the gift in life is given. And you can have this big mansion, all the big cars out there. But now the fact that you're helping other people with addictions, that's the beauty of life. You cannot buy that shit from coke, sex, alcohol. It's fucking helping others. If you can help others bring them up, there's no better feeling than that. I do so much homeless work and suicide work up in Glasgow. The reason being, people think I'm helping them. They're fucking helping me because I go home feeling as if I've achieved something. I feel a sense of bliss where this makes sense. This is my path. This is what I'm, I'm set out to do. But every day, every morning, I need to get up at six, five, six. And I need to go up, I need to meditate. Because if I don't, I'll lay in my bed for three, four days. I'll post a couple of motivational fucking pictures so people think that I'm active and I'm doing well. Oh, mm -hmm. you're amazing, you're doing this. I've just posted that in my fucking bedroom with the curtain shut just to pretend that I'm doing something. Because sometimes I feel people see right through me. So I can walk my head down and I think, oh shit, they see me. So I, I, I Different faces for different places, even here with you. Yeah, I'm, I, I fucking, I've changed, I can change so much with different surroundings and different, it's, it's nuts the way we are, but 
for what you're doing is unbelievable. And the reason why we connected is because you did a video a couple of weeks ago. Your Twitter's really, it's on fire now because of your video speaking out about addictions. You did one, I think it was like five in the morning, you were in Barcelona with your family. And I done, wow, man, that guy's fucking, that's inspirational what he's doing. He, he's identifying what needs to change. And you done a video, I think you were walking a, along five in the morning, Barcelona, and you were talking about your head's fucked. And I was like, ah, so is mine. It made sense. And it's good to see people speaking out because you give people hope then and inspiration. And it's amazing, man. So fair play to you, brother. I'm proud of you for what oh, you're doing. You. And your videos, it's it's really good, man. Some of them are crazy. I seen one last night with your top off and you're doing <laughs> doing the fucking world. I've done all a minute. He is fucking crazy. But, uh, so... For what you've achieved and what you've done, I take my hat off to you. It's fucking, you should be proud because no, when you you do good things, not enough people pat you in the back. You'll get the wrong people saying it, but there's people out there who genuinely care what they'll say. Because you probably look in the mirror and you, you don't see what you're doing, but other people see it. So you've, it's, it's an amazing feeling for what you're doing. Honestly, it's amazing. So going forward for the future with yourself, now that the past is behind you, you're still battling every day. You'll be battling until you day you fucking die. So... What's your plans for the future? Well, right now I'm trying not to cry because you're making me emotional. Sorry. Uh, it's the same thing. We can't take compliments, mm -hmm. can we? We yeah. can give them. Yeah. We can't take them. Mm -hmm. But thank you very much. It means a lot. And um, and it was such a relief to actually get out to the public how I really am. Because I like to see my muscles, my cars, my watches and my, my house and my lifestyle. It's an illusion. It's all an illusion. It's all out of bollocks. So all I've done was took the mask off again. Um, but my plans are We've got, we've had over, we've had over 700 people now asking for help. So my plans are in the next month, my plans are, well, my plan today is to stay clean, <laughs> but my plans for the next month is I've now found my purpose. I've been looking for it and all I needed to do to find it was be honest, but I never realised that. But I found my purpose and I am going to be setting up day hab centres all around the country I'm going, to, I'm going to be arranging with my media guy in the next two weeks. I'm going to do a big conventional speech in four areas of the country in a month's time. And I'm going to arrange groups and I'm going to start helping people. This isn't for show, this Twitter. Mm -hmm. This is real shit. So the, my, the, my next step is to help these people on Twitter. So all I would like to get across in the podcast, because you've got a lot more followers than me, mm -hmm. is hang on in there. Just hang on in there. Don't give up. Keep fucking fighting. If you fall down, get back up. Every champion was once a loser that got up more times than he fell. Yeah. Just keep getting up. So my plan is, I'm going to help these people. I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. And I'm going to start keeping well by helping others. But I'm going to make others believe in themselves. Because what Romford are doing is showing that the underdogs can win the day. Mm -hmm. Like last night. And that's what I need to do with the addicts. Because us addicts, people look at us like we're on a park bench with a brown paper bag, a bottle of drink and a big vest saying, I'm an addict, I'm a weirdo. Mm -hmm. We fucking ain't, we're normal human beings. And most addicts, been very successful human beings yeah so i don't care whether you've been successful or unsuccessful if you're an addict because i've been in that black hole and i know the way out i can help you and i'm going to help you yeah. you've got to help yourself also yeah see that's the beauty of life i believe everybody's got greatness in them the billionaire has the same 24 hours in a day as a homeless man it's how you utilize that sometimes we need a kickstart sometimes we need that belief always say it hope if you've got hope you can change anything and you can rewire the brain you can change the way you think you can change the way you feel and if you keep doing what you're doing you've got the platform now you've got the funds to create change not just in Romford but the world I believe if you, your dreams don't scare you that they're not big enough so 
I'm fairly behind you, whatever you need as well. We can back you from Scotland, man, 100%. Um, for what you're doing, you should be proud of yourself, brother, from what you've came from. And even us two sitting here, this is therapy for me. This is therapy for you. But we're just talking. There's, there's no bullshit. It's not filtered. It's um, to leave yourself open and speak the way you've spoken to, you'll understand that you ain't alone, brother. You ain't a fucking loan. We're all fucking crazy. We're all fucked up. Um, it's been an absolute honour to have you on today, brother, um, to t- share your story and help others. If there's anybody you'd like to finish up on, for anybody that's in the struggle or any information you'd like to give them, just speak into that camera and um, give a message for anybody that needs hope. Well, thank you for having me. As mm-hmm. I say, I'm honoured to be on your show. It's not the other way around. And, and I feel a real connection with you, a real, mm-hmm. a real bundle, which is, is crazy, but understandable. I understand you and you understand me, yeah. so there's that bond. The message I'd like to give out too is, um, look, on my Twitter page, there is, there is a media connection and email address. All you've got to search is Glenn Sample on Twitter and you'll find it. Um, we are going to be setting up groups. We are going to be helping addicts. You've got to want it yourself. You've got to want to have reached rock bottom. Um, if you still enjoy it, don't bother coming to a meeting you're not ready yet. As harsh as that is, I've got to be honest and transparent. But I promise you faithfully, if you're at rock bottom and you've had enough, I'll show you the way out. Whether you take it or not is your choice, but I will give you my hand and I will reach in and I will try and pull you out. But you've got to also, you've got to take, you've got to take them old cocaine, cocaine or drink or eating or gambling boots off, leave them in the quicksand and let me pull you out with bare feet. We can do this if you believe in yourself. Don't give up on you. Don't ever give up on you. And us addicts, we all stick together and there's no IN team. We can do this. We really can get well if you really want it. Mm-hmm. thank you brother we'll put all the links in the description um, where you can get a hold of G here and you can um, take it for there so stay strong keep playing and all the best thank you James oh, brother. thank, thank you. you God, God bless so much, yeah, God bless you. thank, thank you. you you can also watch my podcast on my YouTube channel the link is in the bio if you'd like to subscribe you can follow me on my social media platforms to see who my next guest is follow me on Facebook at James English 11 Twitter James English Zero, Instagram, James English Two. You can also download these podcasts on iTunes or Spotify. Sports Social Podcast Network.